Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. Today, we have with us Dave Carhart, Vice President of People at Lattice. Lattice is a people management platform that empowers leaders to build engaged, high-performing teams that inspire winning cultures. Dave, welcome to the HR Works Podcast, and thanks for coming on. Thanks. Excited to be here. All right. Well, before we jump into the good stuff about performance management in the modern workplace, I really want to get to know you a bit more. So can you tell people what you do as the VP of People at Lattice? Yeah, so I lead the HR, L&D, recruiting, and office teams at Lattice. I've been here for the last 18 months, onboarded totally virtually, have gone through all of the evolutions of hybrid and that employee experience as a, as a newer employee. Uh, I, I started my career in HR about 15 years ago in, in recruiting and have worked in a series of different sizes, stages, Fortune 10 companies to early stage startups. IPOs, acquisitions, and have really been just thrilled to be able to be then at an HR tech company and influencing product internally after having seen so many different variations of performance review tools and every other HR tech imaginable. So I've loved that experience of being able to to be a bit more hands-on with the product itself. That's great. And what drew you into a career in, in HR? It was a little bit by accident at first. Um, I, I think, like a lot of folks, graduated undergrad and didn't really have much of a direction, uh, but had found that I just really enjoyed, in my earlier years, being part of an organization, building that organization, figuring out how to achieve the goals and the mission that we were on through getting people to work together and organizations to work together more effectively. And so I started working as a recruiter and I think through that saw a lot of the places that existing and traditional HR was really failing to be able to do that and what potential power and impact HR teams could have if they were willing to break with some of the traditions or technology or approaches of the past and embrace just a much more employee-centric, business-minded, and technology-enabled approach to HR. That's great. And I love how some of the best things in our lives happen by accident without being intended. You find your path that way. That's fantastic. So Dave, we brought you on here to look at performance management. We're recording this in early November. Teams are starting to wrap up their 2021 season with performance reviews and looking toward 2022 with goal planning and future planning. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about performance management in the modern workforce. So what does performance management look like in the modern working environment where so much has changed since March 2020? What does performance management look like now? Definitely. So it's an interesting time because there were actually even so many organizations that in the midst of the worst parts of the pandemic decided to cancel or completely alter their performance review processes. And so there's there's also a really unique opportunity here where a lot of the slate has been wiped clean and for organizations to begin to embrace new approaches. I think the two big shifts in performance management, and this has been over the course of the last five to 10 years, 
One is that a move to real-time feedback for folks, not waiting, not relying on an end-of-year review, still having that, but by the time you get to an end-of-year review, none of that should be a surprise. People should have been getting that feedback throughout the course of their time there, whether it was over the six months or the year or whatever the time between reviews is. The other is that there's a real shift from reviews to being solely backwards looking, assessing past performance to being much more also forward looking, developmentally focused and focused on growth for the employee. So much more integrating it with growth planning and future career aspirations for the employee that people are, are looking for that. And I think that with career growth being such a big driver of engagement and retention, I think that organizations right now, as they're going through the great resignation, as everyone's reassessing what they want, people are looking for coming out of that review. Where do I stand with this company? What is my future here? Because I have options. And if I don't see it here, there's a whole set of other places that I can find it. Right. I mean, that's one of the big drivers with the great resignation. So much that you read is it's not just salary. It's reassessing where you are in your career and what's in store for you or where this path is taking you. And I think as HR leaders, you're able to really enact that change and good performance management can really set a good path for a workforce to have some clear goals set for going forward. Definitely. And a, a lot of folks now are not even waiting to have another job to go to, that there is a an understanding of how hot the market is, on how much every company, or not every, but so many companies are looking to hire, that people really do have, in many cases, the ability to quit a job without having something lined up that day to go to. That is absolutely part of what we're seeing today. So you mentioned delivering feedback as a major factor in this shift in the modern work environment. Do you have any tips for delivering better feedback and delivering effective feedback yeah, so it's a it's a skill that I think all of us work on over our, our lifetimes that uh, regardless of what level or how much experience you have, it, it's, it's something that we're all able to work on. And it is more challenging in a virtual or hybrid environment. I think the, the first tip I would have is really think about how you're ensuring that you have all the information you need. Being in a hybrid or virtual environment, your flows of information and visibility on what's actually happening can change. And it's easy to make assumptions that you have the entire picture when you might not. So I think that's the first tip. The second then is remember how easy it is to misinterpret or to lose context for conversations or a message when it's through chat, through an email. Find the ways to, even if it's chatting someone saying, hey, can you jump on a five minute Zoom? Find a way still to be live so that you can give as much of that other nonverbal communication, context, follow-up discussion as possible. And third, feedback is always received best when there's an existing relationship built on trust and the other person knows, hey, this feedback is coming to me, even if it's hard to hear, because the other person has my best interests, my long-term success in mind. And so I think this gets to how do you build relationships in a hybrid and remote environment and making sure that when it's not as easy to just be going out to lunch or a happy hour, that you're building deep and meaningful connections so that when you need to have tougher conversations and something that tests a relationship, 
that you have that grounding there too. Right. You're establishing trust with your employees and just building that, as you mentioned, that relationship and that trust that I have your best interest in mind. And this criticism or this feedback is not meant to break you down, but to build you toward a goal. Here's why we're discussing this. It's for your best interest. And you're right. I think because so much gets lost in text. I mean, I can't imagine a time when punctuation has been so important as it is now that you need to work in an exclamation point just to know that it's not so serious. That right, that opportunity to get some, if not FaceTime through video chat, at least getting on a call, you can deliver a message a little bit more effectively, or at least the way you intend to deliver it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know for myself personally, just even thinking over the last few months, almost every real conflict or friction point that, that I've had with a peer has come from me delivering something over email and it coming out in a way that I wasn't wasn't intending. And if I just even just picked up the phone and called someone, it would have made for a much better relationship or feedback or discussion of, of some sort of tension we were having. Oh yeah, we have all been there. So not just with feedback, but even as we're all progressing throughout the year and taking on different goals, how do you measure progress in this new remote setting where you're not seeing your coworkers, you're not seeing your employees on a more frequent basis? So a lot of it seems to have to be more measurable, but how can you measure progress in this different setting? Yeah. So I think it's a big opportunity because when we really reflect on it, we realize that actually a lot of our assessments of progress or accomplishments in the past we're probably more influenced by how much FaceTime we had with a person or some of the these other factors that aren't actually about the impact or the progress that, that they made. And so I, I think it's a good opportunity for leaders, for organizations to really look at that, have an explicit conversation about well, what does impact mean here? What do we expect from people? And I think that whether it is building out OKRs and goals for departments, teams, and, and individuals, whether it's about defining expectations for different levels of employee in different roles. I think it's really about getting explicit. Not everything will be able to be, be measured. Many things, many things can, some won't be, but at least then being explicit about what those expectations are and having, having conversations, I think especially at a leadership level, to really get on the table. What are the things as an organization that, that we care about? What really defines impact and sort of behavioral expectations that we have here? And using that understanding and exec and leadership team level to be able to guide managers throughout the organization in, in doing that. Yeah, it seems like you almost need to set tangible checkpoints along the way. Okay, here are your, your baby steps to doing so where we can continually check back in and see all right, how did you do here? Did you hit the mark? And kind of guiding guiding employees through. And, and an annual process is, is not enough. Even, I think that almost no matter what industry or size or stage company, far too much, ju just as reviews, a once a year review as the only way people are, are getting feedback is not nearly frequent enough. You need to be able to have those checkpoints more frequently. Exactly how often that is, it'll, obviously depend on, on the organization, but I think being able to quarterly or, or at least twice a year check in on those things. The other thing I pair it with too is not only do you need to have more of the formal process 
to be able to set goals explicitly, but you need to have a, a culture where you can talk about the failures. And if the unspoken expectation is that every single checkpoint or assessment is the metric is green, that you'll get what you expect. You'll see every scorecard show every metric is green. And that's no better of an actual assessment or a marker of progress than if you hadn't measured anything at all. So you need to be able to talk about failure, understand why it happened, and make failure not a defining awful moment, but actually is an opportunity to learn. Right. It's a learning opportunity. We had a previous guest on the HR Works podcast, Erin Deal, who part of her, her branding is she describes herself as a failfluencer. Um, and really embraces failure. And I loved that concept. There's so much to learn from failing, from attempting, and okay, how do we get better here? And why did this go wrong? And now how can we fix that? And that will show you more growth than, you're right, hitting green every time is almost creating just a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're, you're leading yourself right to it. Okay, so at the start, I had also mentioned we're looking at year-end reviews. We're right around that time for so many businesses looking back and doing full-year assessments. So do you have any tips for business leaders to hold better year-end reviews and yield the best results in this modern workforce? Mm -hmm. There's two things that I would, would focus on. One is that really make sure that you are incorporating feedback from across the entire year. One of the biggest challenges with reviews is recency bias, and it is simply human that the most important things in our mind are the ones that we can can easily recall from the last few weeks, month or two. And so this is where you need to draw on all of those other data points and look back at, hey, all right, what were this person's goals that we set at the beginning of the quarter, the beginning of the half? What was the feedback that they got from people over the course of, of that time? What were all of those developments along the way? The other one is you should really bring in not only the what of someone's accomplishments or misses, but also the how. And this is where you really need to integrate what your cultural expectations are, what your behavioral expectations are, what are your values as a company? Because whether it's reviews or promotions or hiring decisions, those are the things that really are big defining moments for people about what does this organization actually expect of me? And if you're trying to build some sort of culture, certain values, certain ideals, and then in your reviews or in your promotions, there's no connection to what those values or that expected culture is, people will really, really quickly get the, get the message. So this is the time to really make it clear what you value. Yeah, I think that's a great concept, right? Using your culture and using your, your company values that should be something every employee is striving for. And if you're if you're falling yeah. off, that is that's a great opportunity to course correct and get them to understand and buy into the corporate culture. Because again, we we all know how important corporate culture is, especially in this current environment where that's really the one thing binding us all together when we're not in shared space. Is that shared belief system or that shared value and that shared goal? So when you can drive that home and use the year-end reviews to do that, that is such a smart idea. So goals that were set in early 21. 2021 didn't go as planned and probably all those goals went out the window. So how do you hold a year-end review when what you expected in early 2021 may not have played out? And 
<laughs> yeah, so I think it's part of the reason why you can't rely on annual cycles because within even a quarter, so much can change. And you want to be able to build your cadence with goal setting, reviews, feedback for your company. So in line with how active and dynamic the environment is that you're in. And I think you absolutely need to account for that. And you need to be able to have reset conversations midway through when the goals that you originally set have completely gone out the window, then you should be having conversations about, hey, this has materially changed our plans and this is how we're going to change our strategy and our, our goals. It's also why you don't want to have incredibly rigid OKR process that automatically says, well, if you hit X percent, here's your rating, here's your, your comp increase, because it, it creates too much fragility overly linking those elements together. Right. You look at your scope of the year and, and you could say, well, there was no way I could possibly hit this goal or these different checkpoints. But I did X, Y, and Z, and, and I think you're right. Having those periodic check-ins and not just doing it annually at least can help to adapt and, and it be a little bit more flexible than just a almost black and white view of, well, here's what your goals were and here's where we are now at the end of the year. So speaking of goals, and as we're looking to set goals for 2022, again, without the Magic 8-Ball to be able to say, here's what the working world looks like in the next 12 months, how, how would you recommend HR leaders and just team leaders go about setting goals with so much unknown? I think when you're thinking about setting goals in such a, a dynamic environment, and you know, let's be real, just because COVID rates are down, there will be unexpected things that happen. There will be the next unexpected thing that's not even related to COVID that will happen and will upend things. I think that you need to go in doing two things. One is having a really, really clear and broadly understood mission so that people understand what the longer term North Star is. With that understanding and with enough transparency around the context of the business and, and what's happening, and this is why internally at Lattice, we believe so much in transparency and share so much information with employees people will be able to respond and be able to adjust throughout the, the course of the year. I think the other thing is if you're able to set larger metrics that people are able to use to understand what success actually looks like in terms of, of impact and pair that with an understanding that there's a lot of empowerment on how to get there that you should be saying explicitly, look, there are going to be things that, that change along the way. We're setting goals out here about ultimate impact. You have empowerment to go and figure out how to make that happen. The organization is much more agile and able to respond to those changes when they come up. Great answer there, Dave. I mean, right, set the goal farther out, but, but don't necessarily dictate the path to get to it. Uh, have a little bit more openness to knowing that like as things play out in the next year, we're going to work toward that path, but it may take some different dips and turns and, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think especially going into this, this time, companies are going through annual planning. This is when you should also be scenario planning, right? You know, as a leader that there are going to be changes, there will be unexpected things. And so plan now for, all right, if the market shifts, if, if inflation really heats up and 
the job market continues to stay so hot and we see huge pressures on compensation inflation, how are we going to respond in that case? What are the triggers? What are the, what are the thresholds where we need to make different decisions about how many people we're going to hire or where we're going to hire them? Similarly, on, on the demand side, right? What, what are you going to do if your forecasts don't come through? Think about that now and talk about what are those different scenarios and what would the, the real risks and, and failure modes be? Do you think it would benefit team leaders to to check in on their goals and do a full assessment periodically, whether it's quarterly, especially in this time of just so much fragility and just change to say, okay, here's what our goals were three months in. Do these still make sense? Okay, we're six months in. Do these still make sense? Definitely. And if you find out, hey, these goals actually don't make sense anymore, and you find that the next quarter too, think about how are you setting these goals to begin with? And are you able to go about it in a way that is a bit more flexible and can respond more to a changing environment? Right. That's your red flag. If you're seeing a ton of just change out of the gate or even over time, that clearly, yeah, you're doing something wrong or you could be doing it better. The other thought I had too with goal planning for 22 is personal growth, right? The one constant is the people will be there. Where they're going to be, we don't know. But the people will be there. So how do you maybe help somebody grow their career and focus on the person in 22 and find ways to build there. Yeah. And you know that your business is going to go through ups and downs over time. And maybe business is going really well right now. There's going to be times when it goes tougher and you need to have that relationship and loyalty from employees and the work that you put in now, investing in them, caring about their future, helping to build up their skills and abilities to respond to take on bigger decisions, take on bigger scopes that they're able to respond to a changing environment. All of that comes back and and helps the organization in the long run. Right. And that's what we've seen just in reading and what we're learning about the great resignation. That's been the solution. It, it's not just salary. It's been giving opportunities to, to employees to grow and to develop and become their best selves. And that can be done through goal planning, too, and and showing that you've got their best interest in mind and there's an opportunity for growth in the current role, which ultimately then makes the company better, right? Because you retain your employees. Definitely. Yeah. And we were doing some surveys recently and found that, yeah, the link to career development is absolutely one of the top things driving people right now. It's something I've seen in the past, too, as we looked at engagement surveys, and this is across multiple companies when I've broken down what's the actual correlation between engagement scores and on any individual question and someone's overall engagement level and ultimately their likelihood to to stay or or a trip. Questions around both belonging and a sense that I'm actually, yes, I should be here included in the organization and career growth and development been the two core drivers over whether it's been different industries or different uh, sizes or stages that I've been in, those have been really the core drivers for folks and and where they want to be in their careers. All right. So Dave, we're going to shift gears here for a moment. Technology is so prevalent in just all of our daily lives now and just how we do business. So how has technology changed people management? And are there any future technologies that we should be excited about coming up? Yeah. So it's both changed nothing and changed everything. By that, I mean... At a certain level, what it means to be a great manager 
is still really fundamentally the same. What are people looking for? They're looking for someone who demonstrates care. They're looking for someone who will support them in their growth. They're looking for someone who can help get them aligned with meaningful work. That hasn't changed. I think what's really changed is that as HR leaders, we've we've always had this vision of a holistic, interconnected talent management strategy where across the employee life cycle, your onboarding and your values and your promotion process and your goal setting and your reviews, all of these pieces connect to each other in specific ways to, to help achieve a broader vision. The, the problem is that for a long time, you could really only do that with either really unwieldy platforms that were really hard to, to operate or point solutions, something that was great at reviews, but would only do, do your reviews. And I think what we've really been building with, with Lattice is the vision of an interconnected platform where when you're doing your compensation cycle, the performance reviews are fed right into that. When you're doing your performance reviews, information about goals and feedback and recognition that's happened throughout the year is automatically surfaced and, and fed into that. Where when you're doing recognition, it surfaces your values and, and ties it back to your values, where each of the pieces are reinforcing each other. And that's really where HR tech has been going. It's enabling the vision of strategic talent management that we've had as HR leaders for a long time, but finally enabling it with the, the right tech stack. And it seems like you mentioned recency bias earlier on. That is a great process for getting rid of recency bias. When you've got all of that information really being channeled and delivered to you for each person in their management process, it's eliminating just, okay, what have you done for me lately? You're seeing that flow of information and it's laid out in a nice consumable and strategic way. Definitely. The other thing it does then is that it actually brings all of your, your data together. And so you're generating much more holistic understanding, especially as you get to be a large organization, understanding of what is happening across your teams. And you're able to start to look beyond, beyond just activity metrics, how many people set goals or how many people filled out their performance review. And you start to get to deeper impact. Okay, let's look at the engagement scores of people who went through a goal setting process with their manager versus those who didn't. Or let's look at, well, one of the things I've been looking at internally at Lattice was we run a question in our, our pulse survey. So it's a, a rolling engagement survey that people get questions every two weeks. One of the questions is whether or not people receive effective feedback, uh, constructive feedback from stakeholders. And I ran a correlation on that with how often people had actually requested feedback through Lattice from other people. And the correlate, it was, it was mind-blowing. I, I showed this to, to the exec team and, and a couple of partners. We, we talked about it. And suddenly there was this like dawning realization about, hey, here's a way that we can actually impact this thing that, that we care about, right? We're seeing not just a random activity metric of, hey, how many people went to a tool, but we can talk about how are we actually influencing an aspect of the culture that we care about and enabling that through technology? And, and that just boils down to sometimes the reaction is, well, we don't receive any feedback. But I, I love that it almost flipped to say, well, did you ask for feedback? Right. Because everyone will say yes. Everyone will say yes. But you can show them the data. 
All right, well, not 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 everyone, right? Or or some people ask ask for more, and that has an influence. I mean, that was a great example of really how leadership can learn from a people management platform. What else can leadership learn from a people management platform like Lattice, or really how can a people management platform impact leadership? Yeah, I I think one of the biggest ways I've been personally really able to use it as we've gone through the evolution and development of our hybrid model in, internally. I think that we rolled out our hybrid model fairly early. I guess it was back in, in March or April. We spent a lot of time planning for this and we had a we had a great plan. It had all of the details set and people were going to come in on this day and then they were going to be home on this day and it was all going to be the same across the company. It was very, very clean and you know perfectly architectured. And then we opened up the office optionally and we all came in for the first time. We're like, oh, this experience is different. It's better in this way. It's different in, in that way. And I was able to watch actually on the, the rolling pulse survey, how people were responding in real time. And I was able to see, all right, well, this is how different departments are responding. And it was able to give us a much more holistic picture including then when when Delta hit. And I could literally watch week over week as the hybrid related questions that we had on this survey just tanked. So we were able to respond then really quickly and internally came out and said, hey, remember the amazing, pristine, wonderful plan that, that we came up with? It was bad. We're gonna try we're gonna try this again. And but we were able to do that in a really real-time and, and responsive way rather than waiting for it to really, really bubble over with a lot of unhappiness about, about where we were going. So just it enabled a much more organic and, and responsive engagement with what employees were, were going through for us. That's great. I mean, right. It's a tool that's built to help improve individual employees' careers and, and help their career path, but it's also helping the leadership team on the whole and just see what the employee temperature is and, and the pulse of the employee base. That's really interesting and, and again, helps for future planning and goal setting, not just for the employees, but for the company on the whole. So Dave, in doing my homework for Lattice, uh, I, I did notice that Lattice was recognized as one of Inc. Magazine's best workplaces of 2020. A belated congrats there, but what makes the employee experience unique at Lattice? I think it's been the the willingness to really listen and say that we were we, we missed the boat on something, we were wrong. Case in point, how we approached hybrid and evolving, how we were responding to employee sentiment and an evolution of COVID there. I think the other example of, of that. We started talking earlier this year about sabbaticals and someone brought it up as a, as a topic. And my, my first reaction as an HR leader was, oh my goodness, don't do that. Everyone, I've always heard that everyone quits after sabbaticals and this is going to be an awful idea. And was, as we kept talking about it, I think what we came to the realization of, or at least I, I finally came to the realization of is that. That's okay. That Why would someone be quitting after a sabbatical? And that it might be they sit down. They have the ability to step back, consider their priorities, their life choices, their aspirations. If at the end of that, someone decides that their passion, their greatest desires lead them in a different direction in one way or another, we should be embracing that. And I, I think... 
a lot of, this is why you see a lot of organizations who have developed alum networks over time, alum groups, because you shouldn't try to pretend that this is the last job that someone is going to have. And so it's not about going in with a false promise or mindset, either as an employee or, or as a company, that this is someone's, someone's last job. And so how are you contributing to someone's career over time? And it's the right time for someone to go on to their next career adventure. How are you enabling them, them to do that? A couple of years ago, uh, Jack, the CEO, decided to uh, actually start up a, what he called, invest in your people fund. And so if someone hits three years and goes in and decides that they want to found their own company, that we'd invest up to $100,000 in that as wow. as Lattice to help them do that. And it's been really exciting then to see now a couple of employees go on to do that. And I think it's it's an amazing example of the sort of tone that was set deep in the culture at the very beginning of we're really going to start with an employee-first, employee-centric mindset. Then let's see what decisions does that lead us to? How do we make that real? But let, let's start with, with that mindset because we know the world has, has changed, right? Even before the Great Resignation, there had already been a massive shift in power between employers and, and employees. And so I think what we're seeing in the Great Resignation is it's a supercharging of, of that, but supercharging a trend that had already been underway. You're setting the tone that, look, you as the employee, and this is coming from the top from Jack Altman down, the tone that your happiness matters and that your your satisfaction in your job matters because you're right. You want your employees to want to be in the role as much as you want them in the role. Exactly. You're not in a good position if those two don't match. But I think hearing that, that even from the top down, there's support of, hey, if you have an opportunity you want to pursue and you've been with the company for, for X amount of time, we're going to support you on that. Mm-hmm. And that just sets a different culture. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean that you never make decisions that employees disagree with, or it doesn't mean that you, you never need to make a decision that is tough or is saying no to a request for something. But I think that if you're able to help tie that back to your values, to long-term term interests, of employees, of the organization as a whole, and people know you've built up a deeper reservoir of goodwill and trust over time, that people know that, hey, even if they didn't agree with a particular decision or there's something else that, you know, a, an extra benefit or something that they hope to have, that there's a longer term relationship and deeper trust there that you're able to rely on with employees. Oh, well said. I really like that. Dave, so before we wrap up here, I want to give you the opportunity to plug anything you're excited about and you have going on at Lattice. Anything you want to share with our listeners? I am most excited about launching compensation. Uh, we, we started in goals and reviews and expanded into engagement surveys, development planning, job architecture, and compensation has always been a personal passion of, of mine. And I've spent time leading compensation at at companies and being heavily in, involved uh, in different ways. It is one of the most painful things to do manually. And I think up until really recently, there hasn't been much in the market for people to 
go to uh, for software or ways to enable that. And literally, I have spent hundreds of hours in my career making compensation spreadsheets and different cuts and putting those out to the leaders. And it's also so manual. It's also disconnected from other other elements of, of the talent management cycle and performance reviews. And I think the ability to bring that all together, to automate it, to empower managers and leaders with access to the right pieces of compensation information and analytics, that's that's really exciting for me personally. Uh, I've been getting to uh, to play with some of the the beta tools internally and have just been uh, so, so excited about it. That's a welcome solution to something painstaking on your end. So that, that's great to hear that that's in the works. So Dave, if any of our listeners want to learn more about Lattice, whether it's the upcoming compensation tool, but just in general, the product, where can they go? So you can go to uh, Lattice.com or email me, Dave at Lattice.com. Okay. Thank you, Dave. All right, Dave, one last question before we wrap here. And I like to ask this of all of our guests. When you wake up in the morning, what's the one thing that gets you motivated? I think the opportunity to work together with the folks here on on the people team. I think that one of our values as a company is uh, is called chop wood, carry water, and the meaning of it is in part about doing the work and executing and doing what needs to be done. But the deeper meaning of it is about falling in love with the process and having passion for what you do, even when it's the day in, day out work, even when no one else sees it. And I think that the people that I've been privileged enough to, to work with here on, on the people team, both HR, recruiting, have, have such a, a passion for the craft and the ability to make a real meaningful impact for the people at, at the company, that that's, that's really what gets me up. That's a great way to go out. Well, look, Dave Carhart, Vice President of People at Lattice, thank you for joining the HR Works podcast. We'll wrap up here. But again, I really appreciated you uh, offering all that great insight on performance management and, and what our listeners can use as they prepare for year-end reviews and goal setting in 2022. So Dave, thanks for being on and, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. I was excited to share the time with you. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.